This is a Federal News Network podcast. The IRS will start the new year digging out from a pandemic-era backlog of unprocessed paper tax returns. A watchdog report outlines the extraordinary measures the agency took to chip away at that backlog, which peaked this past summer. The agency in 2023 also looks to put a recent $80 billion investment to good use and to gain a new permanent commissioner. As we continue our week of look-aheads to 2023, Federal News Network's Jory Heckman joins me with more. All right, Jory, we are waiting the Senate to take up the confirmation of Danny Warfel, but let's presume he'll eventually be confirmed as new commissioner. What's he going to face? Well, what the IRS is going to face and what Commissioner Danny Warfel might face if the Senate confirms him is another year of this backlog of pandemic era tax returns that still need to be processed. These are largely paper tax returns. And according to the Treasury Inspector General for Tax Administration, They are not going to meet all of their year-end goals to process this backlog. Former Commissioner Chuck Reddick, he told Congress multiple times that they were going to get to this healthy state of reducing the backlog by the end of calendar year 2022. And in one important regard, they will. They will eliminate the individual backlog of about 3 million returns that are still pending but for business returns, that's going to be probably sometime in January, according to TIGDA. And for just about everyone else, for the more complicated cases, that might take until June. Now, that's TIGTA. What about the IRS itself? What do they say about their progress? Well, I reached out to the IRS to kind of get a sense of the TIGTA findings here. They said that TIGTA's data doesn't reflect its most recent progress on reducing this backlog. Some of this data is current as of October of this year. So a little bit of grain salt there. The IRS said that they had a surge team, collective effort of about 1,600 employees. They took them off of work that they do day in and day out, and they put them on the front lines of dealing with that backlog. The IRS said that they, in this 12-month period, processed more tax returns than in any other 12-month period in its history. So they, they want to get some recognition on that. And they said that they were able to hire 15,000 new staff since the start of fiscal 2022. So they are doing what they can here, but this is just a behemoth effort, and there's still going to be some work that they need to do on that front. And in the meantime, the omnibus bill is showering cash just about pretty much everywhere you can think of. What was in that bill for the IRS? Yeah, what's interesting here is that the omnibus gives the IRS some more refinement and more focus on its plans ahead, but it gives it a slightly smaller annual budget. It's essentially a flat budget if you look at the $12.3 billion top line number, but that's about a $275 million cut just below that decimal point there. And this bill, it does direct the IRS to take any unobligated COVID spending and put that into its ongoing IT modernization effort. It gives the IRS and Treasury more broadly a mandate to actually study the impact of telework on its workforce and see whether that is actually a potential recruiting and retention tool for an agency that has had some trouble to bring the people at once on board. And it actually, curious enough, they want a report on the IRS and the latest update on this federal contractor tax check system. Congress had already obligated about $30 million towards this effort. This would essentially be the IRS checking to make sure that federal agencies aren't doing business with tax cheats and making sure that the contractors that they're signing up to do business with are, in fact, current on their federal tax obligation. All right. But you mentioned, again, the omnibus regular appropriations 
for 2023 gave the gave the IRS basically a flat budget. But there was also that $80 billion from the Inflation Reduction Act. Well, that is the $80 billion elephant in the room, I suppose. That's not going anywhere, despite some efforts in Congress to uh, claw that back. That was a priority for the incoming House majority. They probably, given this divided Congress that we're looking at, won't succeed in clawing that back. And so this is probably going to be a going concern for the IRS. And case in point, the Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen has made it pretty clear that this first spend down of this $80 billion is going to be on overhauling taxpayer service for this coming filing season. It's going to mean staffing up on taxpayer assistance centers for in-person tax help for people across the country. It's going to be it's going to mean staffing up the phone lines so that you aren't waiting for an interminably long period of time. And it's going to mean generally uh, that people are able to get their questions answered from the agency more easily this coming year. And I want to get back to the question about that new commissioner for the IRS. Danny Werfel has been there before as acting. What else do we know about him? Yeah, well, you know, he has been at the helm of the IRS at a time when they were under fire for some excessive conference spending and scrutinizing the tax-exempt status of some political organizations. As the former controller of the Office of Management and Budget, he helped oversee the stimulus spending in the aftermath of the 2008 financial crisis. He has kind of earned this reputation as a mixed, as a Mr. Fix-It figure and certainly someone who can go to Congress and make a case for this $80 billion, which not all of Congress is sold on, and, and make a compelling case for what it actually can do with this money and, and how it can actually turn things around going forward. Yes, and he has been close to the market as a principal at the Boston Consulting Group, and so he hasn't been out of the federal scene at all. He's appeared on this show a couple of times in that capacity. Mm-hmm. So it would be like someone we know well when he is again confirmed. I haven't heard about any political opposition to him. And with a democratically controlled Senate and a democratic administration, unless somebody puts a hold on for some other reason, I guess it's fair to predict he'll he'll get into that job. I think pending something unforeseen, it's going to be a pretty smooth sailing uh, type confirmation process for Danny Werfel, and that the only reason that we haven't seen the Senate act on this sooner is just they have had this busy year-end push to fund the government, to pass the National Defense Authorization Act, and big must-pass bills, and that the things that can wait for a little bit longer, they will get to in 2023. And you cover, of course, the rest of Treasury. Anything else we need to know that might be noteworthy coming up for the Treasury Department in the year ahead? I talked about that telework study that the IRS and Treasury will have to do. In the same breath, lawmakers do kind of want some butts and seats at a fiscal a Bureau of the Fiscal Service facility in West Virginia. They said, essentially, look, you know, you have this facility. It is a big part of the local economy of West Virginia and At some point, you're going to have to sit down with lawmakers, you're going to have to sit down with local officials and decide, hey, what's the way forward here? Because having people still work remotely for the long for a long period of time puts this local community up in the air. And so that was an interesting way to look at it. In some regards, telework, we want to see more of it. In some other cases, not so much. Potentially. Federal News Network's Jory Heckman, thanks so much. Thanks, Tom. And we know you'll be covering all of this in the year ahead. In the meantime, be sure to check all the reporting he has done at federalnewsnetwork.com. Leadership today, especially within the federal workforce, is being tested more than ever before. 
Sean Ferguson, Senior Vice President of Government Relations and Chief of Staff to the Office of the Chairman at the Special Olympics, joins host Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA, to discuss the importance of leadership, inclusion, and community building. To learn more about how you can get involved with the Special Olympics in your community, visit specialolympics.org slash get dash involved. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. What are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned working with that community? Oh, uh, yeah, almost, uh, Shane, it's almost immeasurable. The things I've learned since I've been with Special Olympics, I, um, one of the things that drew me to Special Olympics uh, when I made the move over from from the NFL uh, was that my mother, my grandmother, my aunt all took care of, of people with intellectual disabilities and, and, and physical disabilities as well. So all of my life, I was uh, interacting and around um, usually, usually young people, but also adults with disabilities. And so I, I knew that I knew that work a bit, you know, they, they basically were in d- direct care. And, and I will say, you know, and I obviously will say about my, my family, my mother, my aunt, my grandmother, they're saints. Uh, but, uh, the, the men and women that do take care of people with uh, pr- profound disabilities are, are really, um, you know, we, we can't do enough to salute them. Um, they're, they're really heroes. And, um, so I was, I was drawn when I, I, and I just saw that, you know, Special Olympics was looking for someone. And I thought, well, you know, take a look at it and see, see you know, throw, uh, send in my information. And lo and behold, I, I, I get hired and, um, I learn. Uh, every day, almost something from, especially from our athletes. Uh, we're blessed to have a number of athletes that work here in our office in Washington, D.C. And, you know, uh, Terrell, who, who works in, in our mailroom, who comes by with packages and deliveries. Uh, if you're having a day that's, you know, getting away from you and you, you <laughs> coffee hasn't kicked in, but Terrell comes by, always happy, always enthused uh has a has a good story like it can just turn a day around for you and 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 you think of i i you know often when you'll walk away i'll be like you know whatever was bothering me or whatever is you know stressing me out and come on you know like look at look at terrell like he 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 faces everything with optimism and 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 i've seen that also in our going to competitions in throughout the united states and globally you see people who have had everything stacked against them you know, their parents, when they were born, were often told this is a tragedy and you should, you should, you know, send your, this child away. Don't, don't, you know, and kind of forget about them, Get, turn them over to the state or or wherever. And, and, you know, that, you know, just kind of watch, watch your hands of it. Um, and, and, and in, in these cases, the parents didn't do that, thankfully. Um, and, but they've still faced enormous challenges, you know, and, but you see them out competing on the basketball courts or the football fields or swimming and, uh, and, and, you know, besting their times from, from their last competition. And they're so committed and just keep fighting through all the obstacles that they've had in front of them that are not just on the sports field, but also in growing up and finding education and finding groups to be part of and trying to find jobs. And, and, and I've seen so much perseverance and grit uh, from the athletes of special Olympics that uh, I, I, Tim Triver, my boss, the chairman uh, says all the time, and I couldn't agree with him more. uh, We get more than we give. 
uh, working with Special Olympics. It, you know, we and thank you for your very kind words about the work I do and we do. But but we're the lucky ones. We, those of us that work here are the lucky ones because I. I said to someone the other day, you know, the things that I've been able to see and experience with athletes, you just don't get to do that anywhere that, that, you know, it's a, and it's so unique and it's so uh, joyful. And, and uh, I mean, we work hard and, you know, we we're up against, you know, the things that nonprofits are up against and, you know, the, you know, the issues of the day, but uh, man, you see it, it and, and, and the inclusion and the at special Olympics, no one's excluded. You know, no, right. no one's excluded. Yeah. Everyone is equal at Special Olympics. It, and, you know, in a country that's quite divided on so many lines, politically and uh, socially, uh, economically, race and uh, sexual orientation and whatnot. But you go to Special Olympics and everyone's involved. Everyone's welcome. Everyone's equal. And I've learned that it's a model for our country and for our world. Uh, I, I just think that that if if people were involved in Special Olympics in experience the power of Special Olympics for themselves, I, I, I can't imagine that one help our country and help our world um, to experience that true inclusion and acceptance of difference. How, how do we get, how can listeners get involved in Special Olympics? Ways to get involved? Uh, tons of ways. So uh, volunteers, obviously, coaches, officials, um, and, and the thing that, that, that uh, Tim Shriver has done uh, and really pushed in the years that he's been chairman is the unified sports model that, that I mentioned earlier, um, where people and, and it doesn't have to be. Uh, it's not just school age. It's it's, uh, you know, we say nine to ninety nine or uh, year old uh, folks uh, that play on teams, uh, bowl together, golf together, play soccer, basketball together. Uh, people with and without intellectual disabilities competing on teams together. Um, and that is, I, I think, when you when you go back to the founding of, of our organization, what Mrs. Tri- Mrs. Shriver was trying to do uh, was to, to uh, create inclusion opportunities for people with intellectual disabilities. And you see it at these unified sports events where people with and without are playing together. We still have traditional uh, teams where it's all people with intellectual disabilities competing with other uh, teams, all intellectual disabilities. But this model of inclusive sports and inclusive leadership programs and whatnot, I think is truly revolutionizing and changing the way people see uh, others with intellectual disabilities. That's just like, I mean, that's what we that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to bring people together and bridge difference and, and, and celebrate differences and that our athletes, man, are some of the grittiest people that you will meet. And, and, uh, and there's a lot to learn from our athletes and playing sports with them and interacting is, is how you'll learn it. Check us out, uh, you know, uh, specialolympics.org on, on our website, uh, that will link you to your local program. You can follow through the, the clicks of how to get involved and where, what's closest to you. You'll enjoy it. I can promise you that. Well, thank you very much, Sean. And, and to everybody listening, I'm Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA, and we'll, uh, Talk to you next time on the Lessons in Leadership podcast. It pays to paint with Lowe's. Pros can earn more faster by signing up for our MVPs Pro Rewards program. 
Get up to 20% back when you buy more paint, including top paint and stain brands pros trust, such as HGTV Home by Sherwin-Williams and Valspar. Visit us in-store or at Lowe's.com today to get started. Based on minimum qualifying annual spend, Lowe's gift card must be claimed by last day of calendar year. Valid to 1231. Additional exclusions, terms, and conditions apply. See Lowe's.com slash L slash pro loyalty terms for details. With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. Cool. <laughs> yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC.